you know, make the kingdom of God important. Um, you know, nowadays, more people looking for reasons to not follow what the Lord Jesus Christ had taught and instructed us to follow. And so if we will be together and we will stay together, I believe that we're going to be raptured together. The Bible says it, that 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 when the dead in Christ will rise first, they will rise and meet Christ in the air. And then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet them in the air. So togetherness is very important because we're going to heaven together. I thank you so very much. I hope I can continue to, uh, just to uh, put forth the effort to get us to be a people that is like their Jesus and love. I, 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 I desire and, and, and hope where we all come to be one with Christ and with love being the main characteristic and attribute that we demonstrate is very important. And I, I can tell just through how this ministry have gone thus far that we care about one another. And it's very important to care about one another and not to worry about um, our, our flaws and not to worry about um, our shortcomings. I think that if we will care more about each other and look at the good things about each other, that's what's important. Because I believe that when we become sensitive uh, to Christ and we start to follow Christ, we all know our flaws. We all know our issues and areas of struggle. And I believe Christ will allow us to see it, understand it, and try to do better at it. So I thank God for all of you and for allowing us to be together. It's a great time to serve the Lord. It's a great time to be a part of the kingdom of God. And God has blessed us. And so I'm grateful for what God is doing. Somebody say amen. amen. Hallelujah. If you want me to preach what I preached last week at 1030, I can. <laughs> Hallelujah. I know some, you know how some people mumble about that stuff. They didn't preach that when we were there at 9 o'clock. Y'all, y'all, 9 o'clock people was, y'all was blessed, man. Y'all had a preacher preach to y'all and then minister in music. He ministered in the word and he ministered in music. Y'all was blessed. Are you kidding me? My goodness. So I was glad I didn't preach at 9, nine o'clock. I thank God for the preacher at 9 o'clock. Kidding me? So we thank God for what he's doing. Amen. Uh, you know, I've heard the word breakthrough, um, you know, for a long time since I've been in the church. And breakthrough is a key word that you hear get talked about. But I feel impressed this morning to just mention to you that it is important that as we worship the Lord, as we praise the Lord, we do it until we experience a breakthrough. A lot of times we just, you know, Lord, we love you and we thank you. Oh, you're so good. And we say our prayers. We do what we do. And then when we feel like, okay, that's been enough, we just kind of stop right there and fizzle out right there. And I feel like I need to tell you this morning that God wants you not to just stop right there, not to just fizzle out, but push through whether you feel it or you don't. 
if you ran track, you know what I'm saying. If you lift weights, you know what I'm saying. If 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 you are a mom, a wife, you know what I'm saying. If if you're a man that uh, work hard and and try to take care of your family, you know what I'm saying. There are days when you don't feel like doing, but you just push through anyhow. And that's when you experience that breakthrough. And that's when you go in places in the spiritual realm where you haven't been. And that's how you begin to experience uh, a liberty in the spirit that you ordinary wouldn't experience because you went beyond. Some people say beyond the veil. You went beyond the norm. And when you go beyond the norm, you will begin to live a life in Christ that's beyond the norm. When you don't go beyond the norm, you frustrate yourself. You live a frustrated Christian life when you just always do just the status quo and you just never go further than where you've always been. It's frustrating because all the other things that come just tend to trip you up and slow you down. But I encourage you this morning to push through and, and experience a breakthrough in Christ if you want to live this life uh, where you can experience true liberty in Christ. If you will stand with me, I want you to turn your Bibles or look on the screen or use your device to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 8. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 8. Again, I am grateful and thankful for this loving church, for this kind church, for God allowing me uh, to be a part of his kingdom. I'm telling you, I enjoy being in the kingdom of God, and I enjoy being around each and every one of you. God has placed us together. Let's stay together and fulfill God's purpose in our lives together. Second uh, Timothy chapter 1, verse number 8, the word of the Lord says, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. It means, don't you be uh, concerned about when you are a witness, you're telling people about Jesus. Don't worry about their response. A lot of us don't want to witness because we don't want someone to respond in a way that we feel like we're going to get offended. Or, But that's because you're worried about what you're saying. And Paul is trying to get us to understand. He says, be not ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. Oh, my God, help us. But be thou partaker of the affliction of the gospel according to the power of God, who had saved us and called us with a holy calling. Somebody say holy calling. I don't know, man, why they keep saying you go to holiness church because there's no other church but a holy church. I don't know. Not according to our works. So it says God didn't save us nor call us according to what we have done or what we will do, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who had abolished death and had brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an epistle, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, 
and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him. Somebody say amen. amen. I want to talk to you this morning on this topic. Acts. Like you know. Acts. Like you know. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask you today, O oh God, that you will speak to us. We ask you today, Almighty God, that you will help us. Let your word, O oh God, go forth, Lord Jesus, and do what it's intended to do. Lord, I pray that we will experience a breakthrough, each and every one of us this morning. We'll experience a breakthrough in you, Lord God, and that we will leave this place today changed. We will leave this place today encouraged. We will leave this place today determined. Help us today, Lord. I pray the power of God will be revealed in this house and that the will of God will be done. We ask you, Lord God, to have your way this morning. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Will you anoint me to speak as your oracle and will you anoint the hearers to hear as you will have them to hear? In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody say amen. You may be seated. It is a fact that life is full of uncertainties. As human beings, we plan both our lives and our schedules as best as we can. However, as much as we can plan, nobody knows what really will happen or whether the things we plan will turn out as planned. Therefore, we get stressed out thinking about what will happen next. So a lot of our stress is what will happen next. Huh. I thought I read in the book of James where they say, give no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. But that's what a Christian should do. Many of us are running ragged and stressed out due to uncertainty. Our minds are unstable and we are not experiencing peace. We have allowed uncertainty to rule us. Current events, news, and social media have really got the best of us. Listen to this. I was watching a clip that my wife had called me to say, look at this. So I was watching a clip Friday that revealed how folks who control the operating systems of our social media platforms manipulate us, the user. They obviously monitor all we do on our devices and send us signals to get us to engage that they may get information from us or get us to like or even buy what they are selling. We don't even realize that we're just being manipulated and controlled 
by social media. That's one of the reasons why the government have a big problem with some of our social media giants. Because the government want to control and social media is really controlling. We can't put down that device. They showed a little clip where two young men was sitting in their school with their phones down and that they wanted to get a reaction from the young men, and, and, and they're like, man, they're not focused on what we want them to focus on. How do we get their attention? And so guess what? They send something into their Facebook of somebody saying, uh, I want to be friends with you. So, so the beep comes on their phone. Beep, they look, and now it's somebody that they kind of like that says, I want to be friends with you. It's not the person that sent it that want to be friends. It's the people behind social media that sent that you want to be friends with this person. And so now they stopped talking and got on their phones. And before you know it, the conversation they were having as two guys, done on their phone because so-and-so now want to be friends. The people behind the operating systems were the ones that generated that. There's a lot of things that's coming up on our devices that's not just it random or happenstance. It's being controlled by the people behind the scenes. And so we got a lot of control going on. Everybody fighting for control. Social media fighting for control. The devil fighting for control. And government fighting for control. Listen, when there is uncertainty... There is no urgency. Oh, man. I'll say that again. When there is uncertainty, there is no urgency. See, when you're uncertain, you, 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 you can't do anything deliberate. You're not, everything you do, you're doing it kind of, uh, you know, with reservation. When there is uncertainty, there is no focus. Mm-hmm. And so it is a fact that this life is filled with uncertainty and our actions and behaviors confirm it. Whether you like it or not, unfortunately, it's what's going on. Uncertainty. What is uncertainty? Uncertainty is doubt, skepticism, suspicion, mistrust, it means lack of sureness about someone or something. Uncertainty may range from a falling short of uncertainty to an almost complete lack of conviction or knowledge, especially about an outcome or result. I like that word, lack of conviction. When we are uncertain, we lack conviction. And so I'm here to tell you, as Christians, we better be on our guard. Because if we're going to allow ourselves to be like everybody else, it means you will never be able to serve God the way he wants you to serve him. Because you will lack conviction. You will lack what it takes to serve God in true righteousness, in true faithfulness. Because you will be operating in uncertainty. Church. The church is not supposed to operate like those that are not the church. See, I said that nice. <laughs> the church is not supposed to operate like those that are not the church. 
because the church is supposed to be sure about everything. <laughs> oh, we might not know everything. I don't need to know everything, but I need to be sure about my faith. Listen to me. In, in the text we read in 2 Timothy 1 and 12, toward the end of that text or the middle to the end of that text, it says, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Christianity, listen to me. Take your time and listen to what I'm getting ready to say. Listen to this. Christianity alone seeks to reveal the reality and details of Almighty God objectively. If you forget, and if you don't know, write down the word objective and the word subjective. Put those two words down, study them later. By gathering, so, so Christianity uh, revealing details the Almighty God objectively by gathering evidence and decipher it in accordance with more rational and scientific methods. Don't you run scared when people say, well, if you go to science, it proves there's no God. Don't even listen to them. If they really study science, they will really come to know that there is a God. Christianity's primary claim is that God was manifest in the flesh and offered proof of his person, identity, and plan. Christianity alone claims quantifiable, uh, evidentiary proof of its belief. Many religion cannot prove anything about their religion. They're believing a myth, and they're not understanding. It's a tradition they, they inherited, but they can't prove anything that they're saying they believe. Christianity alone is totally dependent on the identity of a historical person. In this, it is removed from the religious of the religions of man. So Christianity is removed from the religion of man. Remember, I told you a long time ago, the only religion, if you want to call it so, that man cannot claim is Christianity. This is why Christianity is the religion that gets fought the most, is because man cannot take the credit for Christianity. But for every religion that you can come up with, there is going to be a man or a woman woman behind that religion and I'm not following no man that's flawed like me I'm not following no man that makes error like me I'm only following the one that is flawless I'm only following the one that's perfect I'm only following the one that's all-powerful I ain't following no man talking about I'm gonna spend eternal life and I don't know anything about that man and he hasn't proven anything to me but people are following these religions that, that man came up with. Uh-huh. And so it is, in, it, it is removed. Christianity is removed from the religions of man, listen, which are all systems of subjective beliefs dependent only upon believers. Every religion outside of Christianity are systems of subjective beliefs. Remember, I told you objective, subjective. So all religions are 
a system of subjective belief dependent upon believers. All they're trying to do is to get people to just believe. Don't worry about that. Just believe. Don't worry about that. Just believe. Don't you go to no church, and I'm talking about church that we call Christian, that they say, don't worry about it. Just believe. If you hear me tell you that, say, mm, watch out now. That can become a cult. I'm just trying to give you the truth here this morning. You don't want to believe something that cannot be proven. I'm getting somewhere. Christianity is in contrast, is totally dependent upon the identity of Jesus of Nazareth, who is called the Christ, who claimed to be God. Christianity's theology then differs from that of other religions by its objectivity and not merely the recording of theories and subjectives believe or believe. You can prove Christianity. You don't have to just believe it because I told it to you. You don't want to just believe this because somebody told it to you. You don't want to just believe this because you heard this a long time ago or your parents told you or your grandparents told you. You don't want to just believe it because you were told. You better prove this for yourself. Is it real? Yes, it is. But what I'm trying to tell you is if you don't prove it for yourself, you're no different from all these people that's believing these other false religions because they're believing something that they never proved. <laughs> it is therefore essential that we know the author of Christianity. <laughs> that word know means to see literally or figuratively, to have knowledge of, to be sure of, to understand. Knowledge requires revelation, which comes by sight, impression in your mind, or understanding by words. I'm here to tell you this morning, the Apostle Paul is trying to get us to understand something. You have to know who you believe. You can't just believe and not have any understanding. You can't just blindly believe and not know, because that means if you believe this today, tomorrow you can believe something else. If you don't know this, tomorrow you can know something, you can believe something else. Prove what you say you believe. Don't just go on believing this. Prove it. Now let me step on your toes a little bit. We don't prove it because if we prove it, it's gonna have to, it's gonna cause us to have to change. See, see, we 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 are our own worst enemy. We get in our way all the time. We, it's easy just to believe because I can just keep living the way I'm living. But when I prove that Jesus Christ is almighty God and this religion is real and there's a true word that tells us that one day he will come back for us and there's a word that tells us we must be born again of the water and of the spirit to enter the kingdom. When we begin to prove those things, guess what? We can't sit idle. We can't stay still. We can't. We, we got to do something and so many of us don't want to do anything I just want to believe because when I believe it's easy but all I'm here to tell you is here's why we're seeing a lot of people fall away 
they never prove who Christ is. And they just believe. And so when other things start happening in their life, just like how they believe something without proving it over here, now they're believing something over here. And it's okay because since they never proved that, they ain't proving nothing over here when they switch. That's what we're experiencing. People aren't being true to their faith in Christ because they never proved it. And when you don't prove something, it's easy to, sh to move off it and go believe something else. But when you prove it, whole different ballgame. This is why the Apostle Paul was able to, 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 to do so many great things in Christ. The Apostle Paul, listen to me, the Apostle Paul said, For I know whom I have believed. Knowing comes before believing. You don't want to hear that. Knowing comes before believing. Unfortunately, we've been taught the other way. Just believe. Just believe. Just believe. Because he's really real. I know he's really real, but I'm not going to teach you that way. I know God is real. I know he's powerful, but I'm not going to tell you just believe. Because if I leave it there, you will just believe something else. So, preacher, how can you say uh, knowing comes before believing? Who studied the Apostle Paul's life? He was against the church because he thought the church was some new thing that wasn't right. And he was a Pharisee. And he believed in the old way. And so he was doing the old way thing. And everything that called themselves uh, Christians, he said, oh, I'm going to persecute you. And he went after them to persecute them. And on his way to go get some more Christians at Damascus, guess what? He had an encounter with Jesus. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he says, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, it is Jesus, who thou persecutest. And right then and there, Paul was smitten, blind. He had his experience, but he had a conversation with God. He left the place where he was blind and was led to a city where eventually a man of God, uh, Ananias, came, laid hands on him. He received the Holy Ghost. He received his sight. Then he was baptized in Jesus' name. What happened first? You tell me what happened first. Did he get baptized first? Did he believe first? He had an encounter with Jesus first. And oftentimes we're not encouraging each other to get an encounter with Jesus, get an experience with Jesus, because when you come to know him, then you can believe it for yourself and nobody can talk you out of it because you know it. People can talk us out of what we believe if we don't know it. Mm -hmm. This is why the Apostle Paul was able to do so many great things in Christ and suffer many things and yet kept pressing on, never looking back and was able to encourage so many. He had an encounter with Jesus first. Then he believed. Everything changes when we have an encounter with Jesus. Paul says, for I know him whom I have believed. As Paul is here speaking, he was in prison. This letter Paul wrote to Timothy, he was in prison while he was writing this. 
He had lived a life of faith in Christ and he could speak confidently from his own experience of Jesus. Paul didn't say, I think I know him, but as one would speak of a friend whom he has long and intimately lived with, I know him. This is how Paul spoke of Jesus. I know him. Come on, somebody. We got to get to that place where we say it almost like, I uh, mean, with, 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 with like an attitude. I know him. What are you talking about? I know him because until we get to that place where we can talk about Jesus that way, I know him. We are in trouble. We need to make sure we know Jesus to the point where when somebody come and tell me something, I'm going to say, yo, I know him. I know him, I know him, I know him. Remember when I told you I worked with this young lady that she had a different belief and I asked her how they get to heaven and she said there's going to be like a long line from earth to heaven that, that you can't even see. It's a line. And you're going to walk on that line from earth to get to heaven. How you prove that? Just you talk to some people. Don't even, you don't have to tell them about your God. Just start asking them questions about what they believe. And they will come to a point where they get jammed up and say, you know, I never thought about it. Because that's what I did. I just kept asking when I asked her about how they get to heaven, I think what I had heard was long line from, from earth to heaven, and we're going to walk on it. And then she went on and says, and yeah, and, 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 and the men, they will get their, 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 their virgin wives. And I said to her, so what does the women get? I never thought about that. The, the, the women don't get nothing. So I'm asking, no, they, no, she didn't tell me that. She said the women don't get nothing. So the men get a, a whole lot of virgin girls for their wives, and, 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 and the women get nothing. No, you don't, you, you, that, 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 no, it didn't go that way. So I'm like, sis, you're telling me the women don't get nothing, but the men get everything? Yeah. So she's she rubbing her head like, yeah, you know, yeah, you may be right. I said, so what about heaven? Do you guys go to heaven? Yeah. I said, well, how do you go to heaven? And she's telling me this. I'm just like, my God. She can't prove none of that. Without experience, we cannot have the assurance that excludes doubt. Only when we have tried Christ and found him sufficient for us in all position of life can we raise above hesitation and doubt. In spite of suffering that might have caused Paul to despair, he affirmed his confidence in God's protection. This was not a claim to strong faith. Rather, it was a trust in one so powerful that even a weak faith was sufficient. Hear me. Don't you let yourself get concerned about how strong is my faith. I want faith strong like him. I want faith strong like her. No, when you come to know Jesus, even weak faith is good enough. Hear me this morning. You don't need to have strong faith when you come to know Jesus because when you know him, all you got to do is now trust him. You don't need no strong faith. 
No, 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 no. So sometimes we thinking, oh, you know, I'm just not believing enough. That's the stuff that we're taught. You know, I'm not believing enough. We mean by you're not believing enough. We think you got to believe harder for it to happen. No, sometimes it's not happening because God is not doing that. That's not God's will for your life. And God is trying to protect you, but you want to believe real hard. Oh, I got to believe just a little bit harder for this to happen. Stop it. When you know him, you understand that his ways are not your ways. His thoughts are not your thoughts. And you will just trust him and say, God, I trust you no matter what's going on. God, I trust you because I know you, because you gave me a spirit, because you delivered me, because you healed me, because you saved me. God, I know you. I don't like what's going on, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to hold on to you. I don't have to understand it. I'm just going to trust it. Don't let yourself get caught up in thinking that, oh, I need to believe a little bit more. Oh, I need to pray a little bit more. Oh, I need to fast a little bit more. I'm not telling you not to pray a lot. I'm not telling you not to fast a lot. I'm telling you, don't you get twisted in thinking you're not doing enough. Because you doing enough don't do nothing for Jesus. Remember I told you, Jesus is all-knowing. He's all-powerful. So, just always remember this. If he's all-knowing and all-powerful, you can fast till you lose 30 pounds. You can fast for 40 days. You can fast as long as you want. You can pray as much as you want. He will never do anything for you that's going to hurt you. So tell me, how does that work? Oh, I just got to get God. Okay, go on your 40-day fast. Okay, go on your closet and pray nonstop and see if God is going to get you. You're going to get God to do something that's not good for you. He will never do it. So you can't keep thinking, I just need to pray some more. I just need to fast some more to get God to do it. It's not the way it works. You got to know him. I know who I believe. I know him. I know how he is. I know he's gracious. I know he's merciful. I know he's kind. I know he's love. And I know he wants what's best for me. And while I'm not getting what I think I want right now, I trust that it's what's best for me because I know him. Oh, hallelujah. Acts, like you know. Paul's knowledge was personal. He knew Christ so well that no earthly experience could break the bond of love which Christ held him. Paul knew that. And he didn't worry. He was writing and encouraging people while he was in jail. When we come to know Christ, we will be persuaded in our thoughts, in our behavior, and in all of our actions, when we come to know Christ, we will be persuaded. And so when Paul said, I am persuaded, it's as though he had reasoned the matter out and had been persuaded into it. He had not meditated long about it and turned it over, and he forced the truth will convince you to, to, to push forth and, and, and behave in a way that you are convinced, you are persuaded that Jesus is who he says he is. When you know him, you will push and force your way through to do what he's asking you to do because you know him. We shouldn't be waiting for occasions. Oh, I'm going to get it together. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. We're waiting for an occasion to get it right. Uh-uh. 
You need to be persuaded right now. You need to be persuaded right now. Not later on, not tomorrow. You need to be persuaded right now. Oh, God, help us. To be persuaded is to be convinced of, to be moved by. You determine if you're persuaded, not God. God don't get into your spirit and say, you better be persuaded. You determine if you will be persuaded who he is. You will determine if you're persuaded what you should do. Listen to me. Acts chapter 26, verse 26. For the kingdom, for, for the king knoweth of these things before whom also I speak freely. For I am, Paul liked to use this word. I like, I like this about Paul. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him. For this thing was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. Then King Agrippa, or Agrippa said unto Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. You might not understand what's going on right there, but let me tell you real quick, as quick as I can tell you. Paul was brought before councils. Paul was brought before a lot of high men in, in title. He, he was brought before them and, and, and King Agrippa. And Paul was giving them his testimony about what transpired in his life. And when Paul got done ministering to all of them, especially King Agrippa, King Agrippa said, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. You had another guy there in the presence that Paul was talking named Festus, and Paul was going on. And I believe that King Agrippa never allowed himself to be persuaded because other people were around. He was a king, and he was looked upon. And as Paul is telling him what God has done in his life, King Agrippa listened intently. And at the end of it, he says, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Church, I am telling you, you cannot refrain from being persuaded because of what everybody else think. When you get it for yourself, when you have your encounter with Jesus, when you have your experience with Jesus, you can't worry about what nobody else think. You got to be persuaded and you got to say, yes, Lord, I'm going to do what you want me to do. You can't worry about what everybody else think. I got to tell you, I had my breakthrough when I stopped worrying about what everybody else think. I remember when I first went to church. I was cool. I told you all that before. I was cool, and I have a certain kind of uh, personality that I had to protect. I had to be a certain kind of way, living up to my name. And so when I went to church, I was cool. I didn't want to look a certain kind of way. For as long as I try to protect my own character and personality for who I am, that's as long as I had to wait for Jesus to work in my life. Anybody that knew me back then, that was close to me, they knew that. I was not. I was going to church. I thought it was the right thing. It's sounded right the word made sense blah 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 all of that was going on but I wasn't trying to look any different from who I was the cool dude I was the cool dude everybody that was in the church knew oh yeah he cool and I wouldn't allow anything to get in my way of being cool but the day that I had an experience with Jesus 
And I decided to forget about being cool. And I said, I don't care if they see me cry. I don't care if they see me lift my hands. I don't care if they hear me say hallelujah. I don't care if they hear me say I love Jesus. I am going to just go ahead and do it. And when I went ahead and do it, I had a breakthrough. And I haven't been the same since because I was persuaded. And I didn't let anything get in the way of my persuasion. Will you stand with me? You got to know who he is. Then believe and be persuaded to just carry out the instructions of God. Let me tell you something. You got to be so persuaded that nothing will ever be able to get between you and Jesus. That's how persuaded you got to be. You got you, you to gotta let nothing come between you and Jesus. Paul had lost all his material possession, but he would never lose his faith. He trusted God to use him regardless of his circumstances. If your situation looks bleak, give your concerns to Jesus Christ. He will guard your faith and safeguard all you have entrusted to him until the day of his return. We must come to know him, who we believe, and be persuaded of our faith in him, knowing that everything we entrust to him will be secured, it will be safe, and it will be sound. We must be persuaded to the point that our life says we are persuaded. You can't just say with your mouth you're persuaded. Your life has to say you're persuaded. When we are persuaded in Christ Jesus, nothing will come between him and us. When we're persuaded. And so this is why the Apostle Paul could write this. Romans chapter 8. This is why he wrote this. So now you want to understand why he wrote this. Romans chapter 8 verse 38. The Apostle Paul wrote. For I am persuaded. Here you go again. He loved that word. That neither death, nor life, nor angel, nor principalities, nor powers, uh, nor things present, uh, nor things to come, uh, nor height, nor depth, or any creature shall be able to separate us uh, from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Uh, he says, nothing will separate me from the love of God. Why? Because I know him, uh, and I am persuaded. I know him, uh, and I'm persuaded. Yes, I believe but I know him first, then I believe. I'm not believing a myth. I'm not believing something that cannot be proven. I believe him because I know him. When you know, you will be persuaded. When you know, you will be persuaded. We can't allow uncertainty to rule our life like it has been. We have to do what it takes when I saw that clip Friday night, I got indignant. I refused to let anything or anyone control me except Jesus. I refused it. My eyes wide open, church. I'm telling you like I can tell you. I refused to let anything or anyone control me except Jesus. Because everybody is fighting to control your life, and they don't care about your life. They only want what they can get out of your life. They only want to use your life. That's what everybody's fighting for, to use your life, to benefit themselves. They're not out for you. But Jesus is. So he can rule me. 
He can control me. He can do whatever he wants in my life because what he wants to do is because of his love for me. What he wants to do is because he loves me. It's because he wants what's best for me. So Jesus, here I am. Do what you want in my life. Control me. Rule me. Reign over me. Take control of me because I know you want what's best for me. I know him and I am persuaded and I'm going to live for him. You need to know him. You need to be persuaded. You need to believe so you can get focused so you can be locked in. We can't allow ourselves to be all over the place and be uncertain like the rest of the world. We need to be locked in in living for God. Father, in the name of Jesus. Oh God, we give you praise. We honor you, oh God, and we thank you today for your word. We thank you for revealing yourself to us, Lord God, and affording us this opportunity, this privilege, oh God, to know you, to have an encounter with you, to have experiences with you, oh God, to be transformed by you, oh God, to have you reign in our life, oh God, and to be our God, our Lord and our Christ, our Savior. Jesus, have your way today. Let thy will be done. Let thy kingdom come. And God, we will not be the same ever again, but we will seek to know you. We will seek to know you. We will seek to know you. And oh God, call upon your name in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, let this day be a day that we will, oh God, experience you in a way that will bring about change, deliverance, salvation. That God, we will live for you. Oh God, be in focused and not be distracted that we will live for you in faith and in righteousness Lord God and oh God be focused and not be uncertain oh God have your way in the name of Jesus have your way in the name of Jesus we love you Lord we give you honor and praise there is none like you Jesus Somebody lift your hands unto the Lord today. Oh, we get ready to leave here in a minute. But will you just one more time push through? Will you one more time just close your eyes, lift your hands and say, Jesus, will you help me to know you? Will you lift your hands and say, Jesus, will you reveal yourself to me? Will you lift your hands and say, Jesus, will you give me an encounter with you? I don't want to keep living the way I'm living. I want more. I want more. I want more. I want experience more. I want to be changed. I want to be transformed. Oh God, I want to live a life that is focused, that is locked in. And oh God, walking according to your truth. Walking in faith and not by sight. Help me, Lord God. Help us individually and collectively. That Lord, we truly, oh God, will live a life of surety in Christ. A life, oh God, that is surely built on Christ. And we will stand on Christ, the solid rock. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.